This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. It is not intended to cause or induce breach of an existing agency agreement. The goal of this podcast since day one is to provide the best information on the Vancouver real estate market at no cost to you, the listeners. To that end, we'd like to thank the following sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by Marcon, a local family-owned and managed real estate development and construction company that's been around for nearly four decades. Marcon is not only committed to high-quality construction, but it also is making a positive impact in the communities in which it builds all across the Lower Mainland. We want to highlight two incredible Marcon projects. Elmwood, a 38-story tower located at Burquitlam's most important intersection, Como Lake Avenue and Clark Road. This landmark tower will feature 335 condominiums, over 37,000 square feet of office and retail space, and almost 20,000 square feet of amenity space. Elmwood has been incredibly popular with 80% sold currently, but they still have a great selection of junior one-bedroom all the way to three-bedroom homes remaining. Check out markon.ca slash Elmwood for more. And Matt, we are also excited about Sone House, Markon's newest community in West Coquitlam. With 165 homes ranging from junior one beds to three beds, Sone House offers the perfect West Coast aesthetic with a more nuanced Nordic-inspired design. Register today at markon.ca slash Sonehouse. That's S-O-E-N-H-A-U-S. Or you can learn more at markon.ca or follow them at Instagram at markonhomes. Markon, building for life. Hello? 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 This is the Vancouver Weather State Podcast. And welcome back to Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Scalina. And I'm your host, Matt Scalina. And Matt, today we've got a phenomenal episode. We have Ray Macklem, mortgage broker and past guest on the show. That's right. Ray Macklem, fan favorite. Ray's back today. And this is kind of a throwback, right? I mean, he he hasn't been on the show for a long time, but we used to do sort of information-heavy episodes. uh, And we've kind of moved away from that. But this moment in the market is such a unique one that we thought it is best to have Ray back to talk about opportunities in the mortgage market currently. And, uh, and, and it's a fantastic conversation and a really interesting one. You know, it, it's a really, really great episode and everyone should find it useful for sure because we're covering people that have variable rates right now, people that have fixed mortgages in place. Um, people considering getting a mortgage at this time or refinancing. And then, of course, people that are also stretched. And one of the things we cover, Matt, is also the mortgage deferral. So lots to unpack in this episode. And Ray does a great job of breaking everything down for us. I feel like if you're anyone from someone considering a mortgage up to somebody renewing a mortgage or feeling like you're uh, about to go underwater, you're going to get that. I hope there's nobody out there like that. But you're going to take something away from this. And just uh, uh, one little thing to catch your attention here. One client Ray was talking to yesterday by breaking his mortgage was going to save 15 grand. Uh, so, Unbelievable. So stay tuned. We're going to find out more about that. 
Yes, for sure. Um, Matt, but maybe before we cut to our interview with Ray, we also have a great episode coming out, another episode this week on Friday. We've got John Barry, who's a historian. He's also a New York Times bestselling author uh, for his book called The Great Influenza. And and we should say, he this guy is is a great get for our podcast because he's kind of the authority on the Spanish influenza, and um, and he wrote the book, bestseller. He wrote the book on the Spanish flu. What can we learn from that outbreak basically 100 years ago? What did it do to the economy? What can we expect? How did it change the culture? All those things are going to be discussed. And to give you a sense of how busy John is these days, when we called him, he was, he was talking to some folks in Brazil about how they should be handling COVID-19. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we're bringing you, we're bringing you the guys that are, uh, that are in high demand at the moment. Absolutely, Matt. But Matt, let's not bury the lead. We've got a fantastic show for you today. Ladies and gentlemen, Ray Macklem. Enjoy. Okay, so everybody's here. New new times, uh, new times during the quarantine. But uh, welcome to our guest today, Ray Macklem, mortgage broker slash owner for the Mortgage Hub and uh, Dominion Lending Centers. How are you doing, Ray? I'm well, guys. How are you? Good. Did I get your title correct there? Yeah, you got. Okay, perfect. Hey, perfect. Ray, you've been on the show before. I would say you're a fan favorite. Um, but can you can you begin? Fun fact, you went to elementary school with both Adam and myself, but can you tell everyone a little bit about yourself? Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we, we do go way back. I wish I didn't have so many concussions and I could tell some fun stories about you guys. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm married. I'm a father of three. Been out in Vancouver now for the better part of 22 years and, and uh, wouldn't dream of going back to Winnipeg. Yeah, yeah. You don't, you don't miss, the, don't miss the, wi- the winters, but uh, I miss the outdoor ice. Yeah, that's true. Actually, you know, play a you know, little little shinny at Gateway. Yeah. <laughs> and Ray, other fun fact, but uh, I just wished you a happy birthday. Your birthday was last month. You're about the only guy I know that was born in a leap year. So this yeah. year was like a legit 29th, right? True story. Yeah, 40th birthday on the 29th. My wife and I went down to celebrate in California, and we got out just before they locked down San Francisco. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, right. Well, so, well happy, happy, uh, happy birthday again. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Uh, so maybe we'll start. We wanted to bring you back uh, because we obviously had a conversation with Dustin Woodhouse about a week ago or two weeks ago now. Um, but it seems like the world is changing so quickly right now. It's, it's really hard to keep track of, of what's happening, not only in the market, but what's happening in mortgages. Um, so can we talk maybe a little bit about what's happening with mortgages right now, Ray? Yeah, absolutely. It, we, it feels like we have those conversations every day and, and Dustin's putting on calls in our industry quite literally every morning across the country. Um, yeah, what you saw most recently was the Bank of Canada issuing another emergency half a percent rate cut, which has since been passed on by all the big banks and, and, and all subsequent lenders too. So the prime lending rate for borrowers is down to 2.45% in most cases, say for TD, who's at 26 Um but what what you're seeing as a result of of the crisis out there is is a is an increasing of those credit spreads and the risk that comes with mortgages and, and banks these days. So even though we're seeing those prime rates drop, where say two weeks ago we had variables at prime minus one percent, now we're seeing variables at prime even or even prime plus 0.2 percent. 
So, and fixed rates are, are going the same way as well. Uh, with, with bond yields as low as they are currently, you know, three weeks ago, we had fixed rates at 2.39% on the insured side. Right now, we're at 2.84%. So the risk overall has increased for mortgages. And as a result, um, those rates have increased to reflect that. So, Ray, this is almost exactly the opposite, as I understand, of what a lot of people expected, right? I think even Dustin was saying that these uh, these rate cuts would be passed on to consumers, but it sounds like what you're saying is the golden days of uh, really, really great rates was about three weeks ago, and we've moved into a totally different environment. Or half yeah. point different, at least. Yeah, you know, if you if you could see my email inbox with the rate updates that come in, it's 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 daily and it's multiple times a day from for various lenders. So what what's happened is for existing borrowers with those rate cuts to Prime, anybody who's in a variable rate product, you do benefit from that. So you do get the savings by design. So those those borrowers who are tied to Prime prior to all of this will 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 get that benefit. Uh, and you have a lot of people that are paying two percent or less for the, for their mortgages right now, which is which is amazing. Um, but what what has happened on on the flip side of that is for for new borrowers, yeah, you're you're not going to get the same benefit. Those, those golden days are, are going to take a bit of a break while we go through this this pandemic and this crisis and this liquidity issue that that is facing the big banks right now. And, and Ray, for those who don't understand how how variables are offered out to clients, because I think a lot of people just think of it as uh, interest rates. Uh, set by the bank of Canada to go up or down and you, you float along. But can you talk about um, different offerings in relation to Prime and kind of spell it out exactly how that works? Yeah, totally. So so with, with all mortgage rates, you know, there there is a component of, of risk to them. Um, with, with any investment, there's a component of risk. So so with, with, in particular, variable right now, effectively the cost of funds for banks has increased, right? So So their liquidity has taken a hit. And what that means is banks have various sources that they pull from to lend money. So things like short-term deposits, your bank accounts, your savings accounts, your high interest savings accounts. And they also have longer-term deposits like GICs and, and, and fixed-term investments that they, that they use to lend out. Now, on the short-term deposit side, there's a lot of people that are laid off work right now. There's a lot of people that have taken hits to their income and they're living off of that savings. So that deposit base is decreasing. So to, to offset that, to increase that base with the, with the short and long-term investments, they have to increase their returns, right? If, if you're wanting to invest in a GIC, we're seeing returns as high as two and a half and 3% right now, which is opposite of what you'd expect. You'd expect those returns to be going down. But because of the perceived risk with banks relative to things like a government bond, which is as safe as it gets, you have to increase those returns to pull that money in. And if you're having to pay more to get that money, you have to increase your mortgage rates to reflect a necessary return for those banks to even operate, right? I mean, they're still responsible to their shareholders and they're still designed and built to, to generate profits. So as a result of the increased costs on that side, uh, you're seeing an increase to mortgage rates, both on the variable and fixed side right now. So so maybe it makes sense, uh, Matt, to, to kind of go through, because we've been getting a lot of questions from people who are either shopping for a product or they're already, they already have um, a product in place. So maybe we can just go through the various types of um, scenarios that, that an individual might find themselves in um, and start like, what should, what should people do if they're in an existing variable rate right now? Well, but, but Adam, if maybe even before we go there is 
we've been having a lot of conversations with people about this moment as being an opportunity um, on on the mortgage on the borrowing front, right? Um, I guess maybe we should even start there. Is this an opportunity to either reevaluate reevaluate your situation uh, in your mind, right? Oh, for sure it is. And I think that ties also into Adam's question as well is, is yeah, there, there are, anytime you have a massive change like this, it, it creates an opportunity for review. It may mean you stay the course. It may mean you have to change the course, but there, there certainly will be opportunities presented to borrowers right now. Um, and it does depend on your situation. Right, right. Um, so going through those situations and if, if you are a variable rate borrower right now, what does that look like? Yeah, if you're a variable rate borrower right now and you've got a decent discount, you're you're a happy camper. Um, you know, I we 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 issued some variable rate commitments last week before before actually it was a week and a half ago before the 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 second half point rate drop at prime minus one percent. So those people are paying one point four five percent now on their mortgage. So so if you're in a variable, you you are you are happy. That, that is incredible. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it, it's variable is is a great place to be. So if you're in a variable right now, you're just going to want to ride that out. Um, don't foresee prime increasing anytime soon until we turn the corner on recovery and it becomes necessary to, to, to put the brakes a little bit on. So I, I think prime is obviously going to stay low for a while. And if you're in, if you're in a variable, you're going to want to ride this out. What, what about on, on the fixed front, Ray? If you're an existing homeowner uh, and, and you have a rate, say you got it a year, year and a half ago, it might be 314, 339, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think that creates an interesting opportunity there for people. If, you, if you're in a fixed rate, I think this is really where there could be some potential to save. So the advantage to fixed rates rising is if you did decide to break your existing fixed term mortgage, fixed rate mortgage, uh, your penalty will decrease, right? So, so fixed rate mortgages tend to be tend to have a penalty of, of, of three months interest, the greater of three months interest or an interest rate differential. And when those fixed rates rise, the potential for that interest rate differential decreases. So you, you potentially have a cheap out to your fixed rate mortgage to jump into a variable rate mortgage. So I, I ran a scenario for a gentleman today who was paying 3.49%, looking at getting him out of his fixed rate into a variable at prime plus 0.2, so 2.65%. And the net savings to him over the next three years were upwards of $13,000. Granted, he had, he had a larger size mortgage, but that, that variable rate savings right now is substantial. And as, as an aside, or I guess forward-looking there, is eventually the, the credit spreads on these fixed-rate mortgage products as we get into recovery, you can expect them to decrease. So looking back at, at our mini recession from, from 2016, you know, we, we had bond yields that are twice what they were today um, in the spring of 2017. And fixed rates were still down about 2.39%. So the credit, the credit risk, the credit spread decreased dramatically. So you can expect as we turn the corner that liquidity issues will ease. Banks will be a little more eager to lend money to get back to the status quo and those fixed rates will drop. The advantage to a variable rate is that you can lock into a fixed rate at any point in time. So if, if you're in a, in a fixed rate that's above 3% right now, you may want to look at what that means to break that in terms of your costs, what sort of variable rate you can get on the other side and then keep an eye on those those rates as time moves on and potentially lock in going forward. But I think there's a there's a big opportunity there for for current fixed rate borrowers to to save some money. What uh, and in terms of penalties, um, I know you outlined exactly how they're calculated, but I, I don't know if you have it in front of you. But say the uh, the client you were running numbers for earlier today, 
Um, so he's saving thirteen thousand uh, dollars by moving from his fixed to a variable. What was the the penalty in that situation? Was that with the penalty that it off or? Yeah, no, that, that savings includes the fact that he had to pay a penalty. And if you give me a moment, I can tell you that his penalty was $7,254.95. Wow. So he's so basically paying $7,200 to save 13. Say, sorry, save 20, I should say. Is that most people reaching out to you right now for, for potentially refinancing? Are, are people in fixed rates? looking to offset the penalty versus their savings with a variable rate? Well, we, we had, a, we had a, a, a very, an all too brief window where, where, you know, say March 11th, we had fixed rates at 2.39%. And there were a lot of people scrambling to, to get out of their fixed rate mortgages into a lower fixed rate mortgage because, you know, uh, Prime had yet to drop by, by the 1.5% it has. So th- there was a mad dash to get into those, those really nice fixed term rates, which th- the window was about a week. Um, before rates started increasing and, and very quickly. So a lot of people have reached out on that. And a lot of people have felt like they've missed the boat because now fixed rates are back up to between 2.84 and 3.19%. So not a whole lot of savings there on the fixed side. But if you're moving into a variable because it's dropped so much, that that's where you create the opportunity for savings there because you can get into a lower rate. You can maximize those savings while maintaining the flexibility of a variable. And, you know, I think Dustin's been on here uh, spouting the virtues of, of variables, which has historically been fantastic. Uh, you do have the ability to lock in. So when, when we do turn the corner and prime starts to rise, you do have that ability to lock into fixed rates. So you're never going to time the bottom, but if you can get close um, and lock into fixed rate as those go up, that, that might present another opportunity for you. So, so just thinking about a new borrower out there then right now, what, what's the advice? Somebody calls in, they want to talk about what they should be getting, what type of product. What's your advice right now? Without seeing their situation in general, my advice is going to be variable. Uh, you know, very like as I, I'm going to steal Dustin's line, life is variable. Your mortgage should be as well. Um, you know, and the statistics support. support. Is that actually Dustin's, Dustin Coinet? That seems like he, he's very good at coining things. He may, he may have stolen it from somewhere, but, uh, but I, I can't say it without giving him credit there. So, um, but yeah, there, there are some there. So anybody getting into a mortgage right now, I would suggest you go variable. A, it's, it's much lower than the fixed rate. B, it provides you a lot of flexibility. Um, and in these uncertain times, I think flexibility is key. And, and the fact is, is right now, risk seems like it's at its highest, uh, you know, without knowing what the future holds, but we're, we are at the uh, moment of great uncertainty, uh, and the crisis of liquidity in, in some respects, right? So you'd assume that those over the next while that those fixed rates are going to come down. I think that's a fair assumption. And, and, and you can, you can refer back to, you know, a five-year bond yield, the Canadian government five-year bond, um, and you watch it coming out of recovery and, and you can, you can see, you can chart fixed mortgage rates against those bond yields. And you can watch the credit spreads decreasing. So now past performance isn't necessarily a predictor of future, but I think it's a pretty good guideline. Obviously, this is you know, a once, once in a century type uh, you know, experience that we're going through right now with this pandemic. But you know, it's a fairly safe bet that you know, we will return to normal at some point in the future here. And, and those trends should mirror closely what we've seen in the past coming out of recessions. So, so Ray, we're, we're in a very expensive market in uh, the lower mainland here. 
a lot of people that have probably purchased quite recently that are feeling very stretched. Um, obviously, there's the potential of layoffs right now. People concerned about their financing, concerned about making their mortgage payments. What if you're a stretched borrower right now? What are your options? What should you be doing? Yeah, if you're a stretch forward, you really do have options available to you. And, and I think first, uh, if you have the ability to to refinance, if you've got the equity in your home, if you need some some cash flow freedom, I'd look at that option before it becomes too late. Um, as we talked about, there is risk with mortgages right now. A lot of lending comes down to exceptions, and those exceptions just aren't happening right now. Um, so making hay while the sun shines, like actually, you know, getting in before you absolutely need it and becomes necessary. Banks aren't known to help people when they're down and out. Banks are known to help people when, when times are good. So I would, I would set up a refinance or a home equity line of credit or something, extending your amortization, freeing up some cash flow while it's still possible. Failing that, if, if, you're, if you're at the point where you've been laid off and, and, and looking at other options, uh, the government and CMHC and banks have introduced a payment deferral program. So that, that program is something that, that could be available to you. It is on a case-by-case basis. Um, it is something where the lender will allow you to defer your mortgage payment for up to six months. You've got to prove some hardship. You've got to prove necessity for it. But it could give you a six-month window to, 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 to free up a little bit of cash flow and, and ease the pain of, of this pandemic and this crisis. So mortgage deferral, can you talk a little bit more about that, Ray? Because my understanding is if you're interested in deferring your mortgage, uh, you're talking with your lender as opposed to your mortgage broker in this in this circumstances. But can you talk a little bit about what mortgage deferral looks like, uh, potentially a little bit about the process, but also about how it impacts not only your credit rating, but also your relationship with your lender? Uh, you know, I've talked to a, a bunch of people who had big investment plans for the next two to five years, um, and they are considering deferring right now and wondering if there's you know, going to be a note on their file uh, two years from now when they right. go to get an investment property type. Yeah, yeah definitely. And, that, and that's a concern. And the cold hard reality is, you know, I'll touch on the credit piece first here. Um, Equifax and banks automatically report to Equifax based on their systems. Um, I think it's naive to expect that even if you do have the permission of the bank, that there aren't going to be some cases where there are mistakes in reporting. So my my advice to people is if you are going to go through this deferral program, be prepared down the road to have to correct some issues on your credit bureau because very likely, just based on sheer numbers alone, like we see mistakes on credit reports all the time. And we have to do broker inquiries and help people fix them and navigate through that. This is unprecedented. Um, so I, I think it's reasonable to expect there will be some credit reporting issues. I also think it's reasonable to expect anybody who goes through that in the future when you're having your credit looked at by a lender, they're going to understand what's going on. So my advice is, is a couple of things is make sure you get it in writing from the institution that you are able to defer your payments, get confirmation from them, write everything down, make notes, save it in a file, because at some point you may have to deal with that directly with facts and, and having that support is going to make your life easier down the road. But just so I understand, we're concerned at this point with, uh, mistakes being made on credit reports. But as I understand, if you defer your mortgage, it's not going to be noted on your... That, that's correct. It, it is not supposed to be noted. If the bank agrees to defer your mortgage payment, it should not impact your, your credit report. It should be processed there, will be deferral, capitalize the interest payments, 
and carry on with your life without reporting a missed payment. I think the reality will likely be different because I think there will be mistakes made on the bank side of things. And I think it's important to be prepared for that down the road. So it should not impact your credit. Um, but my advice is, is be prepared because it might. Hopefully it doesn't. Hopefully it goes all according to plan and, and they put the measures in place to make sure that your credit's not impacted by it. Um, but I do think there will be some mistakes made. I think it's important to have that, that data back up, that confirmation so that you can fight it appropriately. Might cost you a little bit more time, but you know, if, for those that need the deferral, it'll be worth it in the long run. And what are your thoughts on uh, this idea that, you know, hey, I have uh, two mortgages currently with TD, hypothetically. TD says, oh, no problem, we'll defer your your primary residence for six months. Uh, in your experience, should there be concern with, even though it doesn't go on your credit, any note on a file, uh, any sort of long-term implications of, of taking up the bank uh, on these offers? I, I don't think that should be a concern at this point. Um, I think everyone's in agreement here that this is, these are extreme times. This is a unique circumstance and, and it calls for extreme measures. And, and so if you're, if you're allowed to defer your payments, I don't think that's going to impact you in any way, shape or form credit worthiness wise down the road. So, so one other question here, just because uh, we, yeah, we've covered existing um, borrowers, new borrowers, stretched borrowers. Can we talk a little bit about investors specifically? So people that have say, two or three doors in Vancouver, uh, you know, these people might not have been stretched, but are potentially highly leveraged with uh, some potential issues with collecting rents. Mm -hmm. um, what are your thoughts on, on how they should approach uh, this, this environment? Yeah, my, my thoughts on that would, would mirror basically my thoughts on the deferral program in general. So I'll, I'll circle back to that because I think I missed touching on that initially. Is That deferral program is designed for cases of need. If you were laid off, if you have suffered uh, a decrease in income as a result of business slowdown, if you're a landlord and you're, you're a homeowner, maybe your, your tenants aren't paying rent, those could all be cases that demonstrate need for this deferral program. Uh, that is going to be reviewed by your lender on a case-by-case -case basis. So what this program is, is for people who need relief. What it's not is, is a universal program that allows everybody and anybody to, to, to miss mortgage payments. So this program... While it is a deferral, it's not payment forgiveness. So it's it's something that you you can capitalize the interest for the period of time your mortgage is deferred. But at the end of that period, your payment will adjust to reflect the increased balance because they have to maintain the existing amortization. So I ran some numbers for this just to give a quick example. And you're looking per $100,000 of mortgage based on a 25-year amortization at 2.99% rate. You're looking at about $14.51 per $100,000 increase in payment after you, you come off the deferral for six months. So, so not a massive impact, but it does maintain that amortization. It does free up that, that cash flow for you. So, so that program is, I think it's going to be crucial there. You asked about talking to your lender, talking to your broker earlier, you're probably not going to have much success getting in touch with your lender right now. Unfortunately, their call centers were just not designed to handle the tens of thousands of inquiries for each lender that have been happening. So, so be patient, reach out. I do recommend talking to your broker, know your options. Um, lenders have online portals as well that you can go into and, and make requests there. So, so get in touch with the broker, see if you can get that set up. Um, they can help out. We can help out and, and, and we're happy to. That is, you know, I think we're all in the same boat here. Helping each other out is important. Um, 
But with, with that payment deferral program, I think what's important to notice is when we talk about liquidity, you know, one, one of the issues that, that lenders are facing right now is, is unnecessary deferrals. If you're able to make those payments, um, I, I would encourage you to continue making them. It's kind of like taking a handicapped parking spot when you know there are handicapped people that need those spots. Like if, if you don't need the benefit of that program, you making your payments is going to help everyone else out get through this a lot quicker. Um, by not making your payments, we're adding to the liquidity crunch. We're, we're, we're putting the strain on our lenders. Uh, and I, we all know they post billions of dollars of profits and that's, you know, that's their business model. But at the end of the day, it is, it is important to keep making those payments if you're able to, because I do think it will, will help facilitate recovery a little bit quicker. Um, you know, if, if people aren't taking advantage of that where, where, where they don't absolutely need to. And just to circle back though, because a lot of people, uh, will be thinking about kind of those in need uh, as as people looking to keep a roof over their head, but it is it is a hundred percent accurate that if if you're having trouble collecting rent on a property that you can defer those investment property mortgages uh, if if the need is there yeah if, if you can demonstrate the need yeah for sure I mean it, it, you know if you're, if you're a landlord you got three houses and, and your tenants aren't paying you and you can't make your mortgage payments that's that to me is a safe basis for a need you know I, Unfortunately, the lender will be the one that makes the call on that, but I think that demonstrates a need. What about people, investors that have bought properties recently who will be completing on them and will have a challenging time finding a tenant in this current state? Um, would that possibly qualify as well? Yeah, I mean, it's certainly possible. Um, I think it depends. It, it, I should say it will depend on the applicant's overall assets and, and fallback. I think that's a big thing that's going to be looked at is, is, you know, not having a tenant in and of itself, I don't think is, is a hundred percent basis for need. I think it contributes to it. If you don't have other credit facilities or means to make those payments, in addition to not having a tenant, I think that demonstrates a very clear need. That, and, you know, if it, right. at the end of the day, if it's going to come down to you not being able to make a mortgage payment or deferring, you know, banks are, banks are being, very kind they're being very humanitarian at this time and, and and i think that's what we need is 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 looking at things like we're helping each other out because that that is is a big part of how we get through this and, and banks are no different and, and they are being very compassionate with this kind of thing from what i've seen so far so speaking of getting through this uh ray you've been on the show before and this is something we do uh to everyone in the hockey uh, <laughs> Predictions. Predictions. So, so you were around for Spanish, right? <laughs> That's what we're drawing on. But, uh, but if we can, if we can talk about, uh, we're all locked in here on Zoom. Uh, what, what does this look like? Uh, three, six, a year out, month. Three, six months, a year out. Uh, where do you see the market? Yeah, this this might be the toughest prediction uh, for for any of us right now because there's just so many unknowns in it, and it is something completely new. I I myself tend to be a pretty optimistic human. Um, you know, I think Canada pretty proud to be Canadian. I think we've weathered storms in the past better than most. Whether it was the subprime crunch or the mini recession we had in 2016, um, I think our population density is is lends itself well to being better able to contain this whole virus and pandemic. Um, I, I remain optimistic. I think. For us, I'm hoping it's going to be a shorter term, you know, two, three, four, five months, um, getting back to normalcy sooner than most. Um, the economic impact of this is, is going to be big, right? I mean, Canada is not an island. We, we do rely on, in particular, the U.S. and China and, and other countries for trade. 
Um, so I, I do think there's going to be a slow period of time for us, but I do think we're going to get back to business as usual quicker than most. And, and I'm looking forward to, to hopefully a busy fall market. I mean, demand was bursting through uh, this spring, early spring. Um, we had pushed the sidelines with various measures previously, taxation, policy changes, stress tests, and so on. Um, so the demand in Vancouver for real estate still does exist pretty strongly, and, and, I, and I don't expect it to go anywhere. I think it'll rebound quickly uh, once we get back to business as usual. Ray, I'm just just curious because I mean you're you're dealing with multiple files at any given time. Are you seeing a lot of people that qualified two months ago that no longer qualify today? And are you seeing a, a dramatic increase in people calling and saying, "Well, you know, I've just been laid off," or has it been fairly marginal? I, you know, I have to be honest, at this point, it's been fairly marginal. I've, I've, I've taken a handful of calls from past clients who've been laid off, in particular service industry, uh, hotels, restaurants, uh, entertainment, um, but but not, to be honest, not nearly as much as, as I thought. Now, we're still in the early stages, so that, that may yet be to come. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm happy with, with how it's been so far without having to, I think that's, you know, that's, that's tough. The last thing we want to hear is, is friends and colleagues losing jobs and going through financial hardship. So, so I'm, I'm happy for, for those that are still uh, faring well. Um, what was the other question as far as people, people that were, so I think what Adam was getting at is kind of where the demands. So there was a, there was in the first week of March, we had heavy demand, right? Yeah. Um, I wonder what happens to that demand. I, I agree with you that the demand was pushed to the sidelines for a long time. I wonder how much of that demand goes away because they just can't, they, they don't have a job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think there's some of that. I think, you know, consumer spending is, is, is pretty good at rebounding. So, you know, again, uncharted waters here. So, so it remains to be seen how this all plays out, but, but consumer spending historically has been pretty quick to rebound overall. Um, for people who, who were able to qualify a couple of months ago, I haven't seen a lot of that yet either, where I, I have seen some people, you know, dental hygienists, for example, that, that are short-term out of work, um, people that aren't emergency services, that, you know, if, if you were to apply today, um, there were a couple that, that, that wouldn't necessarily qualify or be approved. Um, but overall, what I'm seeing, for the most part, with the files I'm looking at is, is a fair amount of stability with a lot of the refinances and switches and, and transfers into lower-rate mortgages that we've done. It's all people that are maintaining their employment, whether it's government employees, self-employed, people that haven't been monumentally impacted as yet by this thing. So um, I take that as a positive and, and hopefully that continues and, and hopefully we can, we can, we can ride this out and, and not be too impacted by it. Well, once again, I feel better. <laughs> Dr. Ray, good, good side better. No, okay. It may be completely naive. You may, you may, <laughs> my tone may vary dramatically, but, uh, but as of now, I think positivity is key and, and, you know, our, our minds always go to the worst possible place and, and rarely do we see the worst case outcome. It, it's, it almost never happens. I'm going to knock on wood as I say that. Um, but yeah, I mean, for the most part, things are tend to lie in the middle somewhere. So Ray, how can people find out more about you and, and what you're doing? And, and before you answer that, Ray, you're putting out, uh, for those of you who are not on your list, you, you put out very useful information uh, about the mortgage market on a consistent and regular basis. So yeah. Uh, and videos, easily digestible videos. Uh, thank you. Yeah, no, I, I try to keep it simple and, and uh, not use terms that aren't well understood or if I do explain them. So um, yeah, I'd be happy to talk to anybody. My, my, my 
my email is ray at the mortgage hub.ca. Uh, you can find me on my website or on Facebook, um, you know, raymacklem.ca. Uh, yeah, I, I encourage people to reach out. I, I'm happy to have any conversations and, and really just help. I think, I think that's the, the one key takeaway from all this is, is I think banding together and helping each other out is going to make this situation a whole lot more tolerable and palatable and, and, and get us through it a lot quicker. Yeah, and I, I just want to echo that. I think I think the biggest thing to do right now is if you're one of these borrowers we we talked about, it's probably worth having a call and just seeing if there's something that that you can help out with or or rework for someone to make their case a, a little bit better, right? Well, yeah. I, or well, sorry, I was just going to say 15k nearly for for the for the gentleman you're talking to this morning, right? That's, that's yeah, yeah. No, I'm. Uh, he's he's rather pleased with that, and and. Uh, yeah, I, I, I just encourage people, you know, talk to people you trust. Uh, I'm happy to answer any questions. If you if you want to get more information about your your scenario, I mean, I'm a numbers guy by nature. So, you know, the numbers will usually tell you the truth and, and, and give you at least an answer or point you in a direction. So I encourage people, reach, reach out to people you trust, um, have those conversations. And most importantly, know what your options are. Um, it never hurts to know your options. You know, they, they may not be here for long. Um, so I encourage people understand those options, know what it means for you and, and know what the next steps would be if you want to go down that road. You may or may not want to go down that road, but at least you got the answers and, and you can you can make an informed decision. Maybe we'll leave it there. Dr. Ray Macklem, thank you so much. <laughs> not a doctor. I just play one on TV. <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys, I'll call you back later on the house party app. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Look forward to it. <laughs> See you later. Cheers. So there you have it, folks, our discussion with mortgage broker extraordinaire, Ray Macklem. Always enjoy having Ray on the program, Matt, and uh, he's clearly saving people money. So if you are somebody that uh, wants to reevaluate your mortgage and, and try and make a decision as to how to move forward, and you think there might be some savings for you, just reach out to Ray. He can help you. No doubt about it. Uh, Ray's a really bright guy. Uh, honor roll, 1986, Maple Leaf Elementary. Uh, <laughs> I remember it well. Yeah, we've been working with Ray for years, and he's helped so many of our clients. Uh, he's a great resource, great tool. Don't be afraid to uh, reach out to Ray. But what else do we got, Adam, before uh, before we go? Matt, we have one more episode coming out on Friday. Uh, we can't wait for this one. It's going to be phenomenal. We have best-selling author, and when I say that, I mean New York Times best-selling author, uh, John Barry, who wrote The Great Influenza which is basically the book on the Spanish influenza, is going to be on our program talking uh, talking us through COVID-19 and discussing, of course, all of the implications politically, economically, and socially um, that, that we can expect. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a great conversation as well, so stay tuned for that. We are putting out more content than usual. We'll have the March stats for you on uh, Friday's show for sure. And uh, if you want those to your inbox or anything else we're putting out, please do head over to our website, VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com, where all of the resources we have and all of the podcasts live online forever. For sure, Matt. So why don't we, uh, why don't we cut for today and we'll see everybody next Friday. Stay safe. Stay home. Talk to you on Friday. 2,000 faces for radio. Subscribe today.
Hey everyone, pardon the interruption. We just want to take a quick minute to thank the following sponsors who make this show possible. We want to take a minute to tell you about Holy House, a nonprofit organization that provides community building programs and tenant support services to low-income seniors, veterans, families, and vulnerable residents in the downtown east side and across the lower mainland. Melissa from our team has been volunteering at Holy House. Melissa, what's been your experience? Honestly, it's been so fulfilling just to spend a few hours a week in the community and watch how the staff really transforms these vulnerable communities from the inside out, starting with just small things, right? Playing games, drinking coffee, having some simple conversations that you wouldn't necessarily think are super fulfilling. And you come out just feeling like you've really made an impact and connected with the community. And you've been to multiple buildings, but you're playing games, drinking coffee. Yeah. You know, serving food sometimes. And you made some friends along the way. I've made some friends along the way. It's really helped me be more present, actually, in those moments of just, you know, realizing how simple life can be to make an impact, right? Fantastic. And if you want to learn more, you can definitely check out Jenny Conkin, co-founder of Holy House, who is a past guest fan favorite on the show, or head over to holyhouse.ca where you can donate or volunteer. And they're looking for both donations and they definitely like volunteers. That's holyhouse.ca. Vancouver needs your help. Be part of the solution. We are also sponsored by Oakland Realty. This is our real estate brokerage, best brokerage in the city, hands down. If you are in the industry, a new agent, an aspiring agent, somebody just looking to make a change, new culture, new energy, new resources, head over to oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. That's oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. Not only do you get to meet Michael Morgan and the gang, the big wigs over at Oakland, you get a huge incentive for first going to oakland.com slash join, typing in VRP 2020. 